Well, praise the Lord and welcome to our Romans Bible study. I pray that you are getting your Bible, your pencil, your paper, getting ready to uh, join us today for what God is going to show us in His marvelous Word that He might lead us in the path that he's called us to walk in, that path is righteousness, praise God. We are in the book of Romans. We're in chapter 7. This is part 8 on June the 17th here in 2019. I like giving the date like that so that uh, we can always look back uh, and see where we were during this a particular session because we have taught verse by verse all the way back from Romans chapter 1. You can find all of the sessions at the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316 or the website, The Crossway Church. If you have an app uh, called on your, on your smartphone called Podcasts, you can also find uh, our teachings there. And uh, I encourage you to go and uh, to avail yourself to these Bible studies that would be great for day-to-day, week-to-week learning of God's Word as His Word is truth in righteousness and always points to Jesus Christ and what He's accomplished for us at Calvary. Always, without a doubt, every chapter, every verse points to Jesus. Whether we can understand that or agree with that or not, if we're seeking God in truth, we're going to learn what I just said to be a fact. So, uh, don't forget to pray for our church in Wichita Falls that meets in the Hampton Inn at 4217 Kemp Boulevard, right by the Sykes Mall. And uh, we meet there the second weekend every month, Friday night at 7, and next Saturday morning at 10 a.m. to lunch. And so if you know anybody in that area, help us get the word out. And uh, we're praying for a pastor. We're praying for a building. And God's going to raise up a work there of spirit-filled, gospel-believing Christians. Praise God. So if anything happens, I like to start saying this because we have technology issues sometimes with cameras and microphones, but I'm also now recording on my iPad so uh, you can also find these teachings beginning two or three, uh, four or five ago uh, on my Spreaker. It's, it's a Spreaker app, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, and I have a channel on the Spreaker app as well, and it's called For Those Who Have Ears to Hear. There's over 250 messages on there, and we're now uploading everything we do on there in case something happens to a camera or a microphone. It still goes right in here. Without a doubt, we get it all unless the... The, the, the iPad crashes. And so there's always something with technology, praise God. But, you know, I'm so thrilled for the Lord to have shown up in my life when he found me in 2003 broken down. Ministry had not worked. Ministry had fallen apart. People had uh, went their separate ways. And, and let me tell you something, there's, there's not much like the pain of a church split. People you've loved and fellowshiped with and, and been in the Word with, and then there's a, a splitting away. And that, that's happened by the, the hundreds of thousands of times uh, over, over the years. And, and let me tell you something, church splits are not always wrong. They're not always wrong because sometimes, and let me say what makes them right only, the only thing that would make a church split right is if there's a group of people splitting off to come back to the cross. Then that's the only legitimate reason for someone splitting out of a, 
out of a church is, is because that church is not preaching God's word as it points to Christ and what he did at Calvary. And that's happening even today. All over the world, people are coming out of these religious, legalistic, uh, uneducated, uh, pastoral types that they love God's people, but they don't know God's word as it is truth in righteousness. And it must be presented by the Holy Spirit, of course, but through the ministers that it makes it the message, the ministry of reconciliation. We don't have ministries just because of the cross. We have ministries about the cross as well. And so when you know, we look at the Word of God, it must always point to the one who said that the Scriptures were about Him. And what the Scriptures speak of about Him is who He is and what He would provide for us. But listen only through his death at Calvary, not any other way. And we need to know that. And I'm so thrilled to be a part of this, this reformation. We're in a reformation. The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit is reforming his church, bringing his remnant, his people back to the place of truth and grace and real biblical faith. Hallelujah. And I'm excited about that. Most people hear these kind of teachings and, and they think they're okay where they are. They think they're... Listen, most people thought that in the days of Martin Luther. They did not come running and grab a hold of this. But those who were desperate, those who were hurting, those who acknowledged and dealt with that check in your spirit, the Holy Spirit has given you for years where you may be going to church that something just isn't right. I just can't put my finger on it. Something just isn't right. Well, let me tell you something. That's the way millions are just in our nation alone who set in worship services week after week knowing this is not right, something's not right, I just can't put my finger on it. And then God shows up and brings to your door, to your pathway, a minister of truth, a minister of reconciliation, who's preaching and teaching and sharing to you God's word as it is truth in righteousness, which means it is pointing to Christ and his finished work, for that is, the Bible says, the power of God. It's what you've been missing. It's what you've been missing. And now, you, now, through faith in the sacrifice of Christ, the Holy Spirit allows you to put your finger on what that was that was wrong. And He shows you why it was wrong and what is right. Praise God. I'm so thankful to be in that number Today, we're not better than anyone, but thanks be to God, we're no longer bound under sin's dominion, under sin's dominion, shouting the praises of God, and then going about our own fleshly way. We are living for God in victory. Hallelujah. That's good news. Living for God in victory daily, reckoning ourselves dead indeed unto that old sin nature, praise be to God, who no longer lives but has been crucified with Christ. And now, because Jesus died for me, my faith in Him allows me to know that I died with Him was buried with him and raised to newness of life in him. And because of that, praise God, 
I can live in victory and so can you. So, and that's exactly what we're studying here in Romans chapter 7. We'll begin today in, in verse 8. And, and this is a very powerful scripture. I ministered along these lines yesterday at service here at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. And powerful message, powerful anointing yesterday upon the service. I encourage you to go back, listen to the message, pray for the ministry here, uh, support the ministry here. You can give at uh, online at thecrosswaychurch.com. Many of you have yet to give to support this ministry. I'm praying for you because I know God's stirring your heart to do just that. The address is 610 Highway 59, Queen City, Texas, 75572, or online at thecrosswaychurch.com. Verse 8, Romans 7, but sin, and never forget the word sin here is not a verb. It's not talking about committing an act of sin. It's talking here. It's referred to as the noun. It's used as the noun referring to the sin nature, that thing we were before we were born again, that thing that was made dormant when we were born again, that thing that will remain dormant as long as our faith is in what made him dormant, Christ in Him crucified. The moment we turn to something else to depend on, to trust in, that sin nature, listen, takes occasion. Here it is. But the sin nature taking occasion, the opportunity. By what? By the commandment, by, by, by the law, by something now that I'm doing for righteousness. Wait a minute. Hold on. You might say, well, I'm not trusting anything. I'm not depending on anything to be righteous, I know I'm righteous through faith in the cross of Christ. But I also need to... No, wait a minute. There's two things we need to understand. Through faith in the cross of Christ alone did God save you, forgive you of your sins, justify you, sanctify you, declare you righteous in Christ, and declare you a servant of righteousness. Before you went and did one thing, you, became, you were made free from sin, Romans 6, 17, and 18, and you were made a servant of righteousness. Think about that. So you need to be very careful when your flesh and the devil and most of the church today tells you, yes, you're righteous in Christ because of faith in the cross, but now you have to do these things to bear the fruit of righteousness. No, listen very carefully. The initial state of our righteousness in Christ our position, and our condition daily of bearing the fruits of His righteousness is all dependent upon our faith in the sacrifice of Christ. And when we add to that, when we say, yes, my faith is in the cross, but I also have to do this to complete my salvation, or I have to do this to be sanctified, and there will... And listen, don't, don't, listen, don't misunderstand me. True faith causes works. Faith without works is dead. means it's not there. Faith produces works. But works never produce faith. And we're saved by grace, which is what God did through faith, not our works, lest we should boast. And that's all we can do, and that's what we are doing if we say the cross and, because listen, our boast is in our and. And I also had to, I also have to do these three things if I want deliverance from the cigarette, from the drug, from the foul mouth, from the gossiping tongue, from the, these thoughts I'm having that are about to tear me apart. I also have to do, no, 
That's a commandment. Maybe a commandment you've told yourself. Maybe a commandment you've, you've heard from a preacher. And I used to be one of those preachers. If you'll do these three things right here. And we'll base it on the Word of God. But at that point, we're still hung up in the, the letter of the law instead of the serving God in newness of spirit. And there is a difference between serving God in newness of spirit that reveals everything to you that you've been given freely. Amen. God didn't, listen, God didn't give us His Spirit to make us work for everything. He gave us His Spirit so that His Spirit would show us what we have been offered freely by grace through faith in Christ at Calvary. Never forget that. So watch this important, important, very important lesson on, on verse 8. But the sin nature taking occasion by the commandment, what I thought I had to do, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, means lusts, desires, because without the law, sin was dead. Doesn't mean before the law there was no sin. It means before the law came, before I started trying to, you know, when, when we were under the law, living according to the law, and we were before we were born again, whether we knew it or not, well, if I'll do this, if I won't do that, and if I'll be good, I'll get this, and if I, you know, that's the, way, that's the way it is. That's, everybody's born into that. Without the law, the sin nature, he, he, listen, he had nothing to increase him. Men were just living and dying in sin. But when the law was given, the law, us trying to live and, and please God by our doing instead of our faith in the one he was going to send, if you were in the Old Testament, to do the work for you, to save you, to defeat the enemy for you. Listen, our, our works, if that's what our faith was in, that's what increases the sin nature, the strength of the sin nature. 1 Corinthians 15, 56. The law is the strength of sin. When, I, when I'm taught I have to do something to be delivered from sin, I'm actually being told, whether the preacher knows it or not, that by, listen, I don't even know I'm, this is happening, but when the preacher tells me if I'll do these three things to find deliverance from whatever I need deliverance from, we don't even know it, but I'm burying myself deeper in my sin problem. The sin nature is gaining a greater grip on my life, and the preacher is helping it to happen. Now think about that. Romans 7, back up a few verses to verse 5, and we'll back and forth here because we have to. These things are unheard of in the church. And the reason they're unheard of is because most of the time they don't want to be heard. There's a lot of the church, a big part of the church today that's in a backslidden state to such a degree when they hear what's right, now they don't even want it. But there is a remnant crying out to God, God, I want you. I want what's real. I want what's right. I want to live for you. I don't want it just to be lip service. Show me the truth. Lead me in your truth. 
Hallelujah. Not just a church service. A lot of people, they're going to church. They've turned going to church into a law. They think because they're going to church, God owes them something now. Because they're giving offerings, God now owes them something. Because they're doing this or doing that, they think that it's in their doing. They don't even know that their faith is in their doing, but it is. Because when you try to talk to them about the Lord, about the Word of God, they always they move away from the Lord and the Word quickly to their preacher, their events, their programs, all the things they have going on at their church. I'm being honest today and you know it. Maybe you're one of those that run when, when people start talking about the Lord. All of a sudden you've got to get up and go to the bathroom. Maybe you've got to get up and take a phone call. You, you know what I'm talking I've been there. Millions are there now that are born again on their way to heaven. But when the Lord comes up, they get an uneasiness. And that's because they're not living for Him. They're not walking with, with Him. There's sin dominating their lives. If it wasn't, they would want to talk about the Lord. They would want to be learning the Word. Amen, Brother Curtis. Because here's what I know. If you will hear the truth and know the truth, Jesus said you will be made free from sin. And sin is the issue. It's the issue. We need to know that. Sin is the issue. So... Watch this in verse 5, Romans 7. For when we were in the flesh, that means under the law, sin's dominion. If you're, if you're living by do's and don'ts to, to, to for righteous, the fruit of righteousness or your sanctification, any part of your salvation, any part of it, if you're living by do's and don'ts to earn wages from God, that's the flesh. And Romans 8 and 8 says God can't be pleased by those in the flesh. Can't be pleased. But when we were in the flesh, watch very close now, the motions of the sin nature, the passions of the sin nature, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Fruit unto death. Let me, let me say it again. Fruit unto death. Death is separation from God. A Christian is in Christ. But you can be separated from God in fellowship. That's, the, that's how we can, as a Christian, know what, what the, how, how the word death functions to those who are outside of Christ means they're lost and on their way to hell like we were before we were born again. They're dead in their sins and trespasses separated from God. You can believe in Christ and what He did for you at Calvary and be born again on your way to heaven. Trusting only in His work at Calvary will get you placed in Christ, immersed into His death, into the, His body through faith in His death, and you're a child of God. That easy, not by what you do. If you think it's by what you do, you're still living in the flesh under the law. And listen, the sin nature is dominating you. Look at it again. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of the sin nature, that word sins is, the, is used as the noun again, not committing acts of sin, but the sin nature, the, the person of the sin nature, who you were before you were born again. But the word death, fruit unto death, for you and I as Christians is the fruit of separation. Don't you know that a Christian can be dead? Jesus showed up to, and I've mentioned this a lot here lately, and I hope you have gone and looked at it for yourselves. 
Jesus told the church in Sardis, you have a name for your alive, really great reputation, like you really got it going on, but you're dead. Now imagine Jesus telling the church they're dead. There's only one, one reason he could tell us as children of God that we're dead. Our fruit is unto death. Our fruit, what we're, what we're bearing is fruit unto death instead of fruit unto his righteousness, unto holiness. And how could that happen? To live is Christ, Philippians 1.21. Christ is our life. So the church in Sardis, born again on their way to heaven, but told by the Lord they're dead. That means they weren't experiencing Christ anymore. They were separated. Their fruit was unto death. How much of Christianity today's fruit is unto death, unto really a separation, a, a, a fruit that really is what Paul told the church in Galatia, I'm, I, I marvel that you have so soon removed yourself from him. That's Galatians 1 and 6. Galatians 5, 1 through 4 says you've fallen from grace. It didn't say you've lost your soul. It says you've fallen from grace. What is grace? Kindergarten level grace is God doing something for you, in you, through you, to you, with you that you can't buy, you can't earn, you can't work for, and you don't deserve. But he does that through your simple childlike faith in the sacrifice of Christ alone. Let me say it again. Alone. When you add to what Christ did at Calvary for the provision of God, the victory that Christ afforded you, you eliminate yourself from what God is doing. It's called grace. And that's what Paul told the church in Galatia. Again, chapter 5, 1 through 4. You never hear these things taught. What you do hear is when we're in trouble and sin is, well, God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he won't. But we're never taught we can remove ourselves from him. We can become dead, Revelation 3, 1 through 6. We can remove ourselves from him, Galatians 1 and 6. Galatians 5, 1 through 4, we can fall from grace. We can walk in a place where Christ can no longer profit or affect us. He was talking to born-again children of God there. Don't let the lying preachers tell you he wasn't. He was. It, it, he is. That's who he was writing the letter to. That's who was sitting under the reading of this letter, just like you and me. But listen, verse 5 says, It's the law that puts the passions, the motions of the sin nature in action. Explain that to me, preacher. Okay, you're a born-again child of God. You've believed in Christ and that what he did at Calvary was for the forgiveness of your sins. You're a child of God. But then you begin to listen to a preacher that tells you the reason you have bondages in your life is because you're not taking care of the poor. and Because there are scriptures that says those that don't take care of the poor will be oppressed. Think about this now. And we are supposed to take care of the poor. And the Bible says that. And there's consequences for not taking care of the poor. But if I preach that in a way that makes the people of God think they can go out and just start doing the works of taking care of the elderly or the crippled or whatever, the poor people, and that's going to deliver me from my oppression, I didn't preach that right. I used that as the letter of the law instead of preaching the spirit of the letter. Because there is no salvation and deliverance by me doing anything even in the Bible. Think about that. That's where we've missed it all these years. 
The only place of salvation, any part of salvation, which includes deliverance and sanctification and healing and anything God is offering comes through Christ and His work at Calvary. So when I tell people, if you'll just go do whatever, God will deliver you, I lie to them. I help stir up the passions of the sin nature. I help strengthen the sin nature. Why? Because I've laid a law out there. If you'll do, then God will. Remember, we're not working for the the benefits of what He's promised us. And again, there are many works that we're ordained to walk in, Ephesians 2.10, but our rewards are in heaven. Our rewards are in heaven. Think about that. This is good today. We need to hear these things today. How many preachers stood in pulpits yesterday, and I'm not being ugly, but they did not know. There was years I did not know. God does not honor I don't know. God does not honor or wink at ignorance any longer, but commands men everywhere to repent. When you hear these truths like you're hearing on these broadcasts, you cannot just keep going to church where you're going if that preacher is not preaching this. God has not told you to stay there. More than likely, He didn't tell you to go there. Think about that. But we, we're there because great granny was there and, 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 and granny was there and mom and daddy's been there and that's just our family church. We need to let that fault go. And listen, we, Jesus said you can't even be his disciple if you let anything come between you and following him, following the truth. Think about that. Do we go to church in places because they go? My boss goes, my friends go. Is that why we're there? In worship services, and I know we're a little off track, that's okay. We go to worship God in spirit and in truth. We go to hear the word of the Lord to be equipped for the work of the ministry. For those, both of those things to happen, our faith must be in the sacrifice of Christ alone. Nobody's worshiping God in spirit and truth if their faith is in their works. And I'm telling you, 90% of all of true Christianity today's faith is in the works. I know that. I came out of that. Love God, have a heart for God, but just simply don't know what we're talking about today. But thank God the crowd of folks is growing bigger and bigger. It'll never be the majority. It will never be the majority. If you have to have the majority, you're never going to get it. You're never going to get it if you have to have the majority, if you have to have where your family's always gone, if you have to have anything other than the truth first. See, Jesus taught if you seek Him first. He is the truth. And His righteousness, His kingdom and His righteousness, that means faith in what He did that you might have the working of the Holy Spirit in your life producing in you the fruit of righteousness so that you can bear the fruits of His righteousness, not what we do, the fruits of our righteousness, but His righteousness. Amen? Praise God. This is good stuff today. So we need to understand the sin nature takes occasion. When I think I have to work for any part of God's salvation, the sin nature is revived and begins to dominate me. And as I've said, it may not be back to Jack Daniels, back to pot, back to the foul mouth, But anything my faith is in other than the cross allows the sin nature to dominate my life. 
There will always be something I can't stop doing. There will always be that inner turmoil. There will always be that something that I just can't get over. I won't over and I can't get over it. Never will be able to as long as the sin nature is allowed to function and dominate. And he, listen, you have no choice in the matter. If your faith is in Christ and what he did at Calvary alone, the sin nature is dormant and has no occasion to dominate you. You still have a flesh, that's right. Unless you fight the good fight of faith to keep your faith in the cross. Listen, the, even if you are, the flesh has got a loud voice. But the answer even for the flesh, Galatians 5.24, is that the flesh and all its lusts were crucified with Christ. Hallelujah. So the answer for all victory... All triumph, all provision, and even the mighty presence of God in our lives is what Jesus did at Calvary. But when we're, when we're deceived and duped and beguiled of men who the enemy through them, they don't know it. They're not trying to be mean and ugly. They, they really have a, they have a heart for God. They want to serve God. They want to see God's people delivered and living for God. But hear this powerful statement. If they don't know how themselves, they can't offer it to you. Don't stick around in the crowd of people. Find the truth. Get planted in the house of the Lord so that you can flourish in the courts of your God. Psalms 92. You need to know these things. You have to know these things. God says His people perish for lack of knowledge. And it's not knowledge they didn't have because He goes on to say, because you've rejected my knowledge, I will reject you. Oh, but that's not the sweet little old Jesus we've portrayed in our minds. Maybe we've made up our own Jesus. Maybe we've made up a Jesus that says you can follow him no matter what your faith is in. He'll honor whatever you're believing just as long as you're believing something. Maybe we've made up our own Jesus. Paul said there would be other Jesuses preached and taught. There would be other gospels. There would be other spirits behind all of it. Where are we today? Are we sure we're following the Jesus of the Bible? Because to follow him, he gave the criteria in Luke 9 and 23. If any man come after me, he must deny himself. Not of sweet tea, not of sugar in your tea, a pillow on your bed. That's what you're doing for the sake of righteousness and holiness. We must deny ourselves, take up our cross, keep our faith in what he did for us at Calvary. That's our cross. Our cross is not cancer or the loss of a job or a divorce. No, those are problems and hardships. We better know what taking up our cross is when those things happen. So deny, if, denying, if, if, if we're biblically denying ourselves, that means our faith is in the cross of Christ alone. If that's not the result of denying ourselves, we're not yet denying ourselves in the eyes of God. But if we'll deny ourselves of anything other than faith in the cross of Christ, then we can fight. And that's daily, he said, not a one time. Deny yourselves, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And the promise is, if you're following Jesus, John 8 and 12, he that follows me shall not walk in darkness, that means ignorance of these things, but shall have the light of life. 
That's not something we say and think we have it. We think and, and, and think upon and think we have it. It's something we literally have and are living in and walking in and have the fruit of that because our faith is in the cross of Christ. Praise God, we didn't get very far in this today, but that's okay. Maybe Jesus will come today and he'll just give us the rest of it all, all for eternity. Praise God. I love you. I'm praying for you. I pray that you're praying for us and that you'd help support us financially, become partners with us and what we're doing here at Crossway Church. The Bibles to the Inmates program, we're up to 980 expositor study Bibles now, going into the Inmates six every week. And we're planning a church in Wichita Falls, Texas, among other things. So pray for us, and I expect to hear from you. And until next time, God bless you, and stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you next time.